This week on Restore It All, Howard Marks of Vast comes on to call me out for something that I said a few weeks ago about Flash and Backup. Which one of us will be victorious in this showdown? (laughs) Uh, You'll just have to wait and see. Hi, and welcome to Backup Central's Restore It All podcast. I'm your host, W. Curtis Preston, a.k.a. Mr. Backup, and I have with me my continuing advisor on my consumer backup project persona Maliandi. how's it going persona i'm good curtis you know what we have the expert the backup anorak daniel rosehill coming next week on the podcast so yeah we can definitely pick his brains yeah you know it's been interesting because and it was funny it was on the podcast where i really i really i had a moment where i was like i'm not really backing up iphotos right like I'm, i'm backing up you know, I, I use iCloud, mm-hmm. but as as we have discussed, iCloud is not a backup. iCloud is a sync, right? Yep. And if something catastrophic, if you if I ever got hacked um, and somebody got a hold of my, my iCloud password or my iPhone and then just decided to massively delete everything, I, if I caught it soon enough, I would be okay because I do have like a deleted items thing, right? And as we yep. discussed, I have, well, I don't think we discussed on the pod, but as part of this project, I found out I have 11,000 photos in, in iCloud. So, Which probably isn't um, as much as a lot of other people, you know? I'm sure that, there are you know, so I many other not, people like you. Yeah, yeah. As, as, I, as you and I were talking earlier, I'm not, you know, on one end, I'm not Cecil B. DeMille, and I'm not, <laughs> you know, photographing and filming everything. On the other hand, I'm not persona, because you use your phone camera like you use your uh, Tesla. Don't yeah, you? pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Almost never. <laughs> okay. So you've had your Tesla how long now? Four years. And how many miles do you have on it? I think like 11,600, <laughs> 700, something like that. Yeah. And it works great because my maintenance cost has been zero. My electricity cost is really minimal versus gas. Yeah. Cars are so. incredibly reliable when you don't use them. Um <laughs> Anyway, but yeah, so powered cars, even if you don't use them, you still got to change the oil. You still got to do everything else, you know, so I'm not we're not doing it. We're not doing an e an e-card thing. But anyway, but yeah, we've, we've been having some fun with the with this project of figuring out the various ways. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and, I'm and currently. I think, yeah, I was just going to say, I think you should mention to the listeners what your current. What you are currently trying to do for backing up yeah. your iCloud photo library. My current, uh, 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 I don't know. I don't know. What, 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 I don't know. These different methods. My current method that I am yeah. trying is Google Photos. And it turns out <laughs> that Google Photos, it, it's the only one that I found so far. Uh, well, the only one that I, well, there's maybe one other, which is iDrive. But Google Photos, because the problem is that on an iPhone, you can turn on optimized storage. And so I have like, I don't know, somewhere between 60 and 100 gigabytes, we're not quite sure, of photos up in uh, (laughs) iCloud. 
and but I only have four and a half gigabytes on my phone because it's I'm using the optimized storage. But apparently, Google Cloud Photo, Google Photos, pulls down a high res whatever high the original version from iCloud and then backs that up. That, that's our theory. That's right. our theory. That's the theory. Yeah. Well, it's I, that's what it says <laughs> in documentation. We shall see yeah. what we shall see. Um, and then yes. we will report on the results here, and 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 I'll blog about it on Backup Central, uh, because iPhoto, iCloud is not a backup. The number of articles that I read that told me to use iCloud to back up my iPhone pissed me off. Right, <laughs> like it was like ninety five percent of the articles that I found on how to back up uh, my photos basically said. We'll turn on iCloud. Like, because because for most consumers, right, they're probably not going to do what you're about to do and they don't care. And so turn on iCloud. At least you have something else other than whatever's on your phone. Yeah. Right. So we're gonna we're gonna have an answer for the three people in the world, all of which are probably <laughs> already on this recording. The three people in the world that yeah. actually care about having an actual backup of their of their photos. Anyway, all right. Well, we're going to bring back a, a longtime friend and a return guest to our podcast. Uh, he is one of the few people in this industry that um, make me feel young. Uh, we, welcome, <laughs> we welcome, and he's also the, uh, the technologist extraordinary and plenipotentiary at Vast Data. Welcome to the podcast, Howard Marks. How's it going, Howard? I'm really happy to be here because, <laughs> you know, you guys went on your little podcast and you said something about using Flash for backup being stupid. Yeah. Yeah. I might have said but, something. But, 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 I want to clarify, Howard, that was from Curtis. I was the one who was like, yes. <laughs> oh, he's throwing me what right under Howard? the bus. What about Howard? Oh, of course right I'm going to throw you under the bus. So we'll, we'll, Persona, we'll get to, you don't have to explain that to me. I've known Curtis thirty five years. <laughs> That's that. We will. We will. Uh, we will. We'll get to that topic. I will give you a chance to defend your 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 honor. Um, why don't we start with an update? It's been a while since we've had you on the pod. Why don't we start with an update on uh, how much more vast vast data is uh, since we had you on. Well, you know, from the financial side, um, we announced at the beginning of this year that we've hit $100 million a year in annual recurring revenue because we've organized ourselves as a software company, even though the experience customers have is, look, appliances on my data center right. call vast when something goes wrong. Um, we arrange for customers to buy the hardware so that we are a software company it makes life easier for us. Um, the other big thing is that our friends at HPE mm -hmm. just made an announcement of a product of theirs called GreenLake Files right. that will be powered by our software. So before today, if you wanted a scale-out, expandable, low-cost, all-flesh file and object system, we would facilitate your buying hardware from the OEMs that we deal with and we'd sell you the software and you'd have a system that was running. Mm -hmm. Now you can buy that from HPE as part of GreenLake and that includes management through the GreenLake cloud front end. 
So you could you manage the GreenLake for files along with GreenLake for block and the compute mm-hmm. and all the other services that are part of GreenLake. So they've taken our software, married it to their control plane and run it on their hardware. And is for, sorry, for those who may not be familiar with GreenLake, GreenLake is more of a, I don't know, a managed or a hosted environment done by it, HP. It's, a, it, it's an as a service Okay. So there, there are both consumption and CapEx models, the way I understand it, but you, you don't log into the block array yeah. that, and create a LUN. You go to the cloud website and you cre- create a LUN and their control plane does that for you. Okay. And so it's got more controls and you do, don't have to keep the detail. Yeah. So then you're you're probably paying for what you provision then. Uh, you can do that, or you either way. Okay. And okay. you know that's that's you know kind of an HPE finance question. Yeah. Gotcha. But gotcha. my understanding is they do it either way. And I'm sure for vast data, right? That's a huge win being part of that offering. Well, it's yeah. you know first of all, it just gets hundreds and hundreds <laughs> of boots on the ground out selling our software and our whole concept of you can do all flash for as cheap or cheaper than other guys can do spinning disc. And why do you want spinning discs mm-hmm. as opposed to flash other than that they're cheaper? Yeah. You know, I can't think of another advantage. Um, and so we, you know, for most workloads have narrowed that down or reversed it. And so all flash cheaper than disk. What a great idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got, you know, a, all those HPE sales guys going out there selling it as an HPE product. You know, it's not like Cumulo or Scality where HPE was reselling those products to run on HPE servers. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, who you called for support was, well, is this a server problem or yeah. is this a software problem? It's HPE GreenLake for files. HPE takes the support calls. It's a full HPE product. Um, it's our software underneath it. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, so, you know, you talked about the, you, you know, you said you, 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 you have ARR. So basically your customers are paying an annual fee to you based on the size of their storage yeah we so so we make right. we make our money on a what we call a gemini subscription that is you know in capacity units we sell it at 100 terabytes hp can sell it in different ways mm-hmm. um and it's per year and we guarantee that we'll write that agreement for any piece of hardware for 10 years at the same right. rate. Right, right. I remember that. Because, yeah, you know, it's not spinning disks. They don't start failing a lot <laughs> more often in year five and six. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to keep it for 10 years, keep it for 10 years. If you decide you want to replace some of your hardware in year five or six because the new denser or faster hardware is more attractive to you, uh, but you bought seven years of support, we'll transfer it on the you know, terabyte per terabyte basis. Right. Gotcha. Um, yeah, that's a pretty good deal for you. And by the way, I'll, I'll, um, uh, I, I was going to 
uh, compare it to something else, but, but it, it made me remind me of our uh, disclaimer. Prasanna and I work for different companies. I work for myself. He works for Zoom. And uh, these are our opinions, not theirs. And uh, be sure to rate us at uh, your favorite podcatcher. Give us all the stars and comments. It helps other people find us. If you think we're amazing, then maybe other people will do so as well. Uh, reach out to me uh, at WC Preston on Twitter or W Curtis Preston at Gmail and, you know, to be part of the conversation and we'll see, um, you know, we'll get you on. So your arrangement with HP reminds me of our arrangement with Dell. Basically it's the whole boots on the ground thing. Uh, you get to put your product in front of a whole, you know, giant number of other people and it's great for you. It's good for them. Their customers get the benefit of your uh, technology with, with the company that they already, you know, know and love. And, you know, and, and we all know that there are loyal HPE customers who, you know, now it's a lot more likely they'll buy this product because it's got that stamp of approval on it. Right. Absolutely. All of which works for us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, congratulations on hitting a hundred million. Um, wish you the best of luck on your way to the, you know, doubling that and tripling that. Um, last time, you were on, we talked about, we, we alluded to, I think a little bit about how you do dedupe or dedupe like stuff. That's a little different than the rest of the world. And, and, and that it's better, you know, these are, the, yeah. you know, that you're saying it's better. So I, I want to give you a chance to talk about that well, and then we'll we jump into guarantee. Whole, it's, we guarantee yeah. it's better because I'm a vendor and without a guarantee, you shouldn't believe anything. <laughs> okay. All right. That sounds good. Um, so how, so how, so first off, how is it better? And then why? It's better because it reduces data further. Okay. Um, and the why is how it works. So, you know, at the beginning, it's really pretty simple. We do, variable chunk deduplication with a variation of the Rocksoft method. So mm -hmm. if there are insertions, we re-sync re re relatively quickly and the deduplication gets more effective. Mm -hmm. um, we do Z-standard compression on the data. We then throw some data-specific encryption algorithms at the data for things like, oh, look, it's numeric data. Well, that means it's only going to vary within this range. We'll store deltas. And so whichever of those compression methods reduces this block of data most, that's mm -hmm. the one we run. Um, because we're doing, so the, the, the data path is writes go to storage class memory mm -hmm. and then get act. And then all of this data reduction happens as we migrate from that write buffer mm -hmm. to the capacity flash layer. And since it's after the ACK, as long as we're draining that buffer fast enough, how long in time it takes to move any piece is irrelevant. Yeah. And so we have time to go, ah, let's try five different compression mm -hmm. algorithms, use whichever one works best. Interesting. Do, yeah, do you do... Do you, and that's actually very interesting how you can, like you said, by storing it in memory, right? You're not impacting client latencies at all, right? For them, it's like, hey, right went through. And then you have this time to do the parallel 
uh, computation. Do you yeah, just just accept it? It's storage class memory, so it's an yeah. SSD. So yeah. it's persistent, and there's no yeah. batteries Lost. protection, yeah. and you know, panic when power goes out. Yeah. Now, when you are running these algorithms, like I know AI and ML is all the hot topic everywhere you look these days, right? Are you guys doing anything around that in terms of trying to? smartly detect which compression algorithms based on incoming we, streams or we're, we're not doing that in the data path right now okay you know frankly the running the five doesn't <laughs> use that much compute that it's yeah. worth it um we're using ai in our cloud platform so if you have multiple clusters there's a cloud site you can go to and see one dashboard. Okay. Um, and we're using it for the capacity projections. Gotcha. So it's like, oh, look, here's how much capacity you're going to need six months from now while you're filling out your budget request. Yeah. Let <laughs> me tell you what you're going gotcha. to There's AI behind that. Okay. So that it smooths things like, oh, look, every three months they do a cleanup. Yeah. And so let me factor that. The AI is good enough to factor that kind of thing in. Gotcha. But not in the data path. Okay. But let's get so, back to the data path. Yeah, yeah. Your um, your comment when you, you you know there was a comment you were like as long as we're clearing the buffer quick enough, um, right? And and I would agree with you. Um, you know, how do you ensure that that happens? I guess is is one question. Well, first of all, it becomes a parallelism issue. So we have a large number of compute nodes, all of which are draining this buffer in parallel. And so when the buffer hits a high watermark, more threads to destage it get spawned and allocated across the parallel system. Now, if there's a huge influx of writes, and you know we're talking tens of gigabytes per second for hours on the smallest system, mm -hmm. um, then we'll start introducing latency into the rights and apply back pressure. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. But, but, you know, that's, you know, literally, you know, it, that, that's it a, doesn't that's happen. That's an edge it, condition. You know, the mechanism is there just in case, but it doesn't right. happen. And when you, it, because you have more than more capacity, I guess, or more throughput at the capacity level than at the storage media level, is that why you can just increase the number of parallel threads and you don't have to worry about the back so, end being a bottleneck? So in in so our our building block we call a D box or a data box, mm -hmm. and it's got some SCM SSDs. We started with Optane. We now mostly use Keoxia FL6 and then a larger number of capacity SSDs. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, it's whatever the cheapest we can get or the cheapest that our OEMs use yeah. is. Um, the PCIe lanes feeding the small number of SCM SSDs is generally the bottleneck. Yeah. Okay. And so we can parallelize reading data out of SCM, the writing to cute to the capacity. We have a lot more capacity SSDs, so there's plenty of bandwidth to write there. Gotcha. So what why'd you stop using Octane? Um, well, 
first we decided just to get a second source because it's a good idea. Um, and then I, Intel it turned out to be a really good idea. (laughs) Then Intel decided to get out of the business. Um, And, you know, we have supply agreements with Intel. They still have a warehouse full of wafers. Um, Mm -hmm. But it, you know, the the performance advantage wasn't worth the complexity. So we've chunked on these variable size 32K average blocks. And we deduped them. But in addition to running a strong hash to validate identicality, we run a series of weaker hashes against the same data blocks. And these weaker hashes are designed to generate the same hash value for inputs across a narrow range of cryptographic distance. So if two blocks have a... So cryptographic distance is the number of bits you have to flip to turn block A into block B. If block A is within X bits of block B, this hash will generate the same hash value. Okay. From a data reduction point of view, if two blocks generate the same hash value and are a small cryptographic distance part, they have long common strings between them Mm -hmm. and will therefore compress with the same compression dictionary. So the first block that generates one of these similarity hashes, we just compress and store. When the second through nth block generates the same hash, we recall the first one. And we use the dictionary from the first one to compress the second one. So you get better compression. So we can store it compressed without the overhead of storing the dictionary a second time. Yeah. And it's essentially... And it becomes essentially the difference. Yeah. So instead of storing a bigger block, it's like just very, very small deltas because they are cryptographically nice. yeah. similar-ish. Yeah, that, that, we call it similar. The mathematicians yeah. would say it's a limited cryptographic distance. That's unique. I've never heard of it, someone doing that. Have you, Curtis? Just this guy that we had on the podcast a little while ago that looks a lot like Howard. <laughs> it, it, you know, nobody else is doing it now. Yeah. Um, you know, is there it, were. Are you patenting it or? There are patents around it. I don't, I haven't looked to see exactly what gotcha. they apply gotcha. to. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, I thought reading patent you would... applications makes my brain hurt. <laughs> I see. I thought that you would, let's say you got two chunks, right? And you run the really weak, but much faster, I'm assuming, uh, hashing algorithm. And then right. you would say, these two blocks definitely aren't the same. And so let's not do anything else other than, comp- they're not, they're nowhere, they're, they're, they're cryptographic distance, I think you said, so far apart. There's no right. point in running the stronger dedupe uh, thing on it. Um, that's where I yeah, thought it, you were going to go. It turns but, yeah. out, it turns out, even with a weak hash, the mm-hmm. number of identical <clears throat> hashes that are not identical data is so small that the cost of testing is ignorable. Yeah. Okay. And especially yeah. if it's in flash, right? like the, probably the, pulling the, the metadata is the compare. Yeah. 
is so mm-hmm. rare, it doesn't matter that it's expensive. Yeah. And the um, fact that you're not doing this in line, right? So it's all been decent. Well, or- it's it it's not trans it's in line, but it's not pre act. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, That's what I meant. It's yeah. it's post act, so it doesn't have any impact on latency. Yeah. But you know, the the SCM is a one way write buffer. We write new data into it it gets demoted to the capacity flash layer. Yeah. And there's so much bandwidth in the capacity flash <laughs> layer that reads from there are actually faster than from the SCM. So there's no reason ever to promote it back. Yeah. Right. right. Um, but yeah. the other thing is we keep all the metadata mm-hmm. in that SCM. So as you expand the system, you add another enclosure that's got more SCM and more capacity the dedupe hash table and the similarity hash tables all grow with it. Bigger. So it's one data reduction realm, regardless of how big the cluster is. We don't have to store that dedupe table in memory. Yeah. And so, you know, the whole, well, flash would be great for backup, except I can't afford it as well. If you've got three or four conventional PBBAs, Mm -hmm. You know, first of all, the vendors of PBBAs charged you a lot for that disk storage. <laughs> you know, they, that's a high margin product. Yeah. And as soon as you have two of them, you have two deduplication realms. Mm-hmm. Right. And we might talk about data deduping 10 to 1. That doesn't mean all your data dedupes 10 to 1. Right. 50% of your data at least is unique. <laughs> Some of your data dedupes a hundred or a thousand to one. And most of the benefits you get is from that data that dedupes a hundred or a thousand to one. Well, when you got two boxes, it's not a hundred or a thousand, yep. it's 50 to 500. Yep. You could, every you time you add a new box, you're, you lose some of that benefit as well, right? Yeah. So. You can dedupe all our episodes down to like four or five comments, right? Like <laughs> back up, back up all the things. Well, that, sure you, that, three, two, that one, requires. That requires the next version of uh, AI deduplication <laughs> that can take out the idle banter. Exactly, exactly. Our episodes yeah. would be like five minutes long. Yeah. So just to summarize, or just to close on that. So we talked about the how you guys do it. So because of all these technologies that you're leveraging or mechanisms, right? That's how you're able to offer that guarantee, right? That's better yes. than anyone else. Yeah, we, you know, we use the standard. It's a slightly newer compression algorithm than anybody else does because we started a little bit later than everybody else. So we got to pick the latest one. (laughs) Um, And then we have those, you know, the additional, well, Oh, they're numbers. Let's just store the differences tricks. And then we do deduplication on variable block, which is as well as anybody does it. And then we throw in similarity as, Oh, here's another unique trick. Nobody else does. Yeah. And so the combination is we're confident that as long as you're sent, you know, we guarantee as long as you're sending us unencrypted data, that we'll reduce it better than the other guy, whoever the other guy is. Mm -hmm. And if we don't, we'll provide the capacity so that you didn't pay any more money because we didn't. No, that's a great guarantee for end users and customers, especially with budgets these days, right? It's like, hey, 
I bought this system. It doesn't quite meet my expectations. I can't go back to my boss and ask for more money. So, well, you know, the other side of that is, you know, just it's really a very simple scale out architecture. So you don't buy today what you think you're going to need in three years. You buy today what you think you're going to need in a year. And then you can buy more when you need it later. Or if, as some of our customers have found out, much to the chagrin of our sales guys, (laughs) their data reduces better than they expected and they don't need any more in the next year. Well, then you're just ahead of the game. Yeah. So I know maybe you could talk in generalities, but sort of like if I was a customer who had one of the competition PBBAs, right? And I now use Vast, right? I buy a Vast system. Sort of like, is there, like, what is the savings that I normally see in terms of storage? Like if I had like a hundred terabyte PBBA, like actual so storage. If, if from you, you know, a hundred terabytes is small for us. Okay. Or say a petabyte. So if you had, yeah. if you had a petabyte PBBA, um, then you know you're probably storing four or five petabytes of logical data on yep. it, um, and you bought a you know a petabyte of usable from us, mm-hmm. and you probably store twenty five or thirty percent more on it. Okay, but that petabyte PBBA is as big as you can buy that PBBA. Yep. There isn't a two petabyte PBBA. Yeah, and the real difference is at restore time Mm. because PBBAs are scaled for backup speed, not restore speed. They don't even have restore speed on the spec sheet anymore. (laughs) And backups are not sequential operations nearly as much as you think they used to be. And, you know, when, not since we started doing DDO. When Curtis, Change block tracking, yeah. incremental forever. Yeah, that too. All right, of right. those things make the backup and the restore much more random. Yeah. And so if you're backing up to a disk-based PVBA, your restore speed is like a fourth or a fifth, your backup speed. Yep. If you're backing up to a vast, your restore speed is five times your backup speed. Because we're... Because we're designed to serve re- primary storage applications where reads happen much more frequently than writes. Because the reads come from all the capacity SSDs, the writes have to go to the SCM. Yeah. Um, and so th- what where that really starts to get important is when, when we start talking about ransomware attack. Because 10 years ago, Curtis and I used to teach seminars and we go, yeah, 90, 95% of your restores are you know, the file somebody screwed up and, you know, if it's on a PBBA, it'll be restored in a couple of minutes. And if it was on tape, no big deal. we'll find yeah. the tape mm-hmm. and then a couple of minutes. And so, but you don't know you've been ransomware attacked till thousands or hundreds of thousands of files have been encrypted. Yeah. And so now you have to like use something like instant recovery to check back, you know, is this backup good? You know, you got to do three or four quick looks without restoring, which is a great feature, but, you know, requires a relatively high speed back end to work relatively well. And then you're going to find, okay, this is my last known good point. And then you have to restore and you're going to have to restore a lot of data. And restore speed starts to become really important then. 
And then the kicker is, and the lawyers, the insurance company won't let you use the, the system that was infected for another <laughs> couple of weeks because it's evidence. Yep. Or we have to get somebody in to clean it and certify that it's cleaned. Well, if you know, you can run a VMware NFS data store on VAST. You can just restore to VAST. Now, it's a bad idea to run your primary and your backup on the same <laughs> system for more than a day or two. Right. But compared to not running your primary and just, yeah. you know, if your choice is backup only or <laughs> primary and backup, and if this one system dies, I'm really in trouble. Not that part of choice for me. I want yeah. my users back up and running. As soon as the lawyers let me get back to the old system or my VAR gives me a new system or I have someplace else to storage vMotion, yeah. I'm getting that stuff off there right away. Yeah. But that might mean I'm up a week earlier. And a week earlier is a lot of time. My objection to Flash for backup has been for two primary reasons. One is, is expensive AF, right? Second, do I really need it, right? Like, because th there's a, there are a lot of things that we can buy in life, right? Uh, like, I, I need to move fertilizer. I can totally borrow Prasanna's uh, Tesla and it will do it, right? But but is that no, what I should borrow. be using for that? Do I need do I need a Tesla to move fertilizer, or will my well, Prius you certainly don't need Prasanna's <laughs> Tesla to move fertilizer if you yeah. ever want Prasanna to speak to you again. No, that's that's true. By the way, the Prius has been used to move fertilizer, just for the record. Um, but. So, so that's the thing. It's like there, there are a lot of things. Like this goes back to the CDP, the CDP argument that I made back in the day. It was the same thing, the same two arguments. One was CDP was too damn expensive, right? And then the other was, does anybody actually need the 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 functionality that CDP provided? And the answer is yes. Point one percent of the population needed what CDP provided, and that's why you don't really see CDP as a choice very, very often these days, right? There, there, there's a, one or two companies that do it now um, and all the other products have died. So those are my two arguments. It's, I, I already know what your argument to the second one is going to be because you've just gave it, I think. Um, so why don't we talk about the first? Why don't we talk about costs? So for cost, it depends what flash systems you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I will give you that most all flash systems are designed to be fast as possible for a small amount of data because that's what you need to run the Oracle databases that make companies work. And so if you, you know, it's a block, you know, it's block storage to be low latency to support OLTP and therefore expensive because that's, you know, if that system goes down, you count by the second how much 
money you're <laughs> losing. And so you have always bought expensive storage for that. Um, yeah, sort of the we, sort of the true normal sort of if I if one. I can use this word pure flash array. Yes, that's the, that As, type is designed for that, right? Um, that's right. technically pure with a small p, but it works the other way as well. The, um, whether we're talking either way, you know, yeah. yeah, you know, I could name half a dozen other products, but right. The vast majority of it, you know, it's, we're going to design a system based on having a a pyramidal tiered system. And this Mm -hmm. is the one at the top. Yeah. Right. And if you assume you're going to build a tier system, then you want the one at the top to be as fast as possible. And you Mm kind of don't care how much it costs because you'll just put stuff that doesn't deserve it on the next tier philosophically right. our idea was we're going to make something that delivers performance for everything, but the very, very top there mm-hmm. and goes down in cost to where, well, if you use enough of it, you don't need those tiers. You don't need the complexity. Right. So, you know, part of our story is as you consolidate workloads, you have workloads that need performance and you have workloads that need capacity. When you add capacity, mm-hmm. performance comes with because in, you know, Flush, right. spindles, how many SSDs? Yeah. A hundred SSDs is so much performance. 200 SSDs is twice that much performance. So if you take the applications that need capacity and you put them on the same system as the applications that need performance, but don't need capacity, the performance that the capacity creates is used by the applications that need the performance and the cost of the performance is brought down because you've used that much capacity and you get in a virtuous cycle. I think I followed that. (laughs) It's basically by using something that's common. If if you're paying 10x for 10%, and 1x for 90%, then you're paying 100. If you have one tier that costs 100, mm-hmm. why have two tiers? Yeah. And when you use gotcha. capacity, the, that capacity comes with performance. Mm-hmm. And that means that performance is available to other applications that didn't need the capacity. So you don't need to have separate systems. You just have. So, so if I could, if I could try to put this in, in, in just different words, but it'll say the same thing. If I've got a hundred QLC discs, right. Um, and, and these are how big? 15 or 30 terabytes. Each, each one, right. Each one. So if I've got a hundred, I've got one and a half terab, one and a half petabytes. Did I do of that raw, right? yeah. Yeah. Of raw. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Raw. All right. So I've got one and a half petabytes of raw capacity. And what you're saying is we can just take a slice off the top. If you will, you know, we used to call short stroking the discs. So obviously you don't need to short stroke a, uh, a, a flash, but you're basically saying, we're just going to take a slice off the top uh, of these 150 discs. And we're going to get this massive performance slice 
for for the ten percent that need that performance, and then the rest we'll just put wherever we need to put it. Is that does that sound about right? I'm I'm saying all those SSDs mm-hmm. create one pool of performance and one pool of capacity, right? And a workload can draw from either one as much as it needs. Gotcha. Is yeah. it separate capacity and performance? pools that you then assign one, to Apple. One okay, it's just pool one pool that includes both those that, characteristics. And yeah. now, you know, and you can use QoS, you can say, okay, yeah. this workload gets 100,000 oh, IOPS okay. or or yeah. 50 gigabytes per second and this other one gets different. And you, yeah. Yeah, and you'll just use And so you can you manage performance. Right. But, you know, if you've got um, you know, your backups and you've got the developers who want to do run live copies of the database. Well, run it all on one system. It's it's an all flash system. It's fast enough to run the database. It's almost as if you're saying you've built a system that works for all workloads except that one percent or whatever. That's like that very 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 high end. And you're saying you have one common architecture that allows it to deal with, regardless of if your workload is capacity focused and not very performance, it doesn't need a lot of performance, or it's high performance and maybe a little capacity. It's all a shared and, infrastructure. And it doesn't matter whether your yeah. definition of performance is bandwidth or IOPS. Yeah. You know, it's like all but that very lowest, you know, we, you know, we're an all flash system, lightly loaded, we deliver one millisecond latency. Yeah. You know, some systems can deliver half that and some rare applications care. Yeah. But, you know, between that and the 10 cent a gigabyte, well, <laughs> there are 20 terabyte hard drives and super micro servers and, you know, they don't do any IOPS, but you can write to them pretty fast. You know, everything yeah. in between we can cover. So we're dancing around. You're saying why you can be cheaper but let me let me just put a let me just put it right you know sort of i'm assuming that you get into competitive bids with pbbas on a regular basis yes sir okay how do you do there they're easy those are very okay. high profit margin products for the for the other so members. you're so you're saying you can come so, in less expensive than the effective price of the typical PBBA, even though you're using all this flash? Yes, sir. Okay. Because that, that's the short answer. I like the long <laughs> answer. I like the long answer. You and I live yeah. in long, right? Um, yeah. But in the end, it doesn't matter if it's still more expensive. Yeah. The, you know, the long answer is, you know, we use the cheapest flash we can get because we designed the system to treat flash well and understand mm-hmm. how to minimize wear. We have our erasure codes have 3% overhead at I at large scale. So we're not wasting space on raid. We reduce data better than anybody else does. So, you know, we're getting as much capacity in there. Um, and then when you start saying, okay, it's 30 terabyte SSDs. So you get a lot of capacity and a little bit of space and a little bit of power. And the power and rack space start to add up as costs, um, especially when you start looking at the fact that the leading PBBAs 
are still using eight terabyte hard drives because that rehydration tax of turning, Mm. making everything random. Well, the bigger Mm -hmm. the hard drive gets, the worse it is because one hard drive is a hundred IOPS. Yep. doesn't matter whether it's a one terabyte hard drive or a 20 terabyte hard drive. And so they're just reaching the, the world, the land of diminishing returns on IO density. Right they can't go yep. any lower. And now the sheet metal and the power supplies and the SAS expanders are becoming a larger and larger percentage of their cogs. Mm-hmm. And they mark them up a lot because there's a lot of IP in there in terms of software and they have to make a margin. Um, And so we just don't have most of those problems. Well, you're, you're also marking up due to your dedupe, right? I mean, you, you, yeah. You know, some of the, you know, some small portion of the difference is, you know, compared to the guys, those, the best PBBAs, we still dedupe a little bit better. Right. But but when we go into a customer who says, no, 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 price this as if you dedupe the same, we're still coming mm-hmm. in with a lower selling price. Yeah, I, I'm not surprised about that. The other thing, Howard, I wanted to bring up, I know you mentioned sort of disk drives and the 100 IOPS limit, right, that each of them typically have. The other thing that I've also seen is as the drives get larger and larger, anytime you have to do a RAID rebuild, Right. And you're talking like a 20 terabyte drive and it just takes longer and longer. And now there's a potential for failure. Right? Yeah. Well, it becomes a lot worse. <laughs> you know, I do a lot of, you know, resilience calculations and people just don't realize how big a factor rebuild time is in the <laughs> probability of data loss. Uh, we had one customer share with us. They ran, you know, the leading scale out system before us. And the average for their rebuilds was 53 days. Oh, wow. That's two and, months. <laughs> yeah. That's two months during which time your data is exposed. And, right. you know, could be slightly exposed if you were already running N plus three, could be really exposed if you're running N plus one, like some vendors recommend. So it all depends. Right. Okay. So, so I think, I think, you know, you, you've definitely covered the cost argument. Um, the, and, and it's, I think if we just back up, you've already covered the why, right? The, why would why is today's restore different? Ransomware. Yeah. The restores the restores bigger and mm-hmm. the restore location is less well known. What do you mean by that? You may not be able to restore back to the infected system because it's still evidence. Oh, okay. Understood. Okay. Right. You need some place to restore to. And you know, having it where the primary and the backup are deduped to each other probably gives you that in a pinch and and i emphasize in a pinch because yeah you know we've we've all been trained no no no, bad idea don't mix this don't cross the streams yeah Um, Yeah. but but that's the if you have a backup on the primary reality you don't have a backup but if you have to choose between backup and primary i'd rather have primary have you seen customers actually 
do this in the field with vast systems? Oh, we have several customers doing really okay. large scale backup to vast. Um, we had one customer who was kind of shocked because they were doing encryption in that backup. And so they expected us to not reduce data at all. Uh, but they were doing encrypted net backup backups of Oracle dumps of the same database mm. over and over again, encrypted with the same encryption key. And we started seeing about 20% reduction just because even when you encrypt it, if you're backing up the same data, it looks the same encrypted as yeah. Right. Just like sort of two questions in my head here. <laughs> one is, and, and they're, they're very much related. One is the, the whole backup container problem, right? Meaning that you get the net backup container and the arc serve container and the backup exec container, you know, and they all store backup data differently and you have that issue. And then you, but you, there was something that you alluded to that I found interesting. You said commonality between the backup and the primary, but the backup is in some weirdo format. So are you able to get backup or commonality between the backup and the primary? Now, in that case, it's more likely we'll see commonality between multiple primaries. You know, it's more like you restored okay, 17 okay. Windows VMs. Does the way that you're doing dedupe make the format problem any less problematic, right? O only in that we reduce them all as opposed to if you were relying on the data movers to do reduction. So, you know, kind of the most common case is the storage guys like backup, you know, Commvault or NetBackup or Veritas mm -hmm. or Veeam or whatever they use. And the Oracle DBAs don't trust them and insist on doing, doing dumps. Right. And so, you know, if you're doing both to, you know, they just give the Oracle DBAs, okay, dump to this NFS mount point on the vast. Well, then we'll reduce all of those dumps as well as anybody could reduce all of those dumps. And your data mover, you'll do data reduction at multiple stages to manage the network traffic. And then we'll do the final dedupe at the end because we're finer grained. And the sim similarity works really well for things that are deduped coarse grain. Because okay. the edges all look similar, yeah. And so when oh, we interesting. You, when we run, you know, we have a probe you can get as a VM that scans your data and reports back. This is how much it would reduce, and this is how much of that comes from each of these techniques. Mm. And so when we run, when we do that with data from a data mover deduper, those are usually you know 128k or big blocks because they have limited memory available. And so we see more similarity because we're finding those pieces at finer. So just brain. to, just to make sure I understood correctly. So the one, of, the question that I didn't really ask was, you know, when you buy a, you know, pick your favorite PVBA, they tend to support these five backup products. And if you buy a different backup product, well, they're like, well, we don't understand that format yet. And so then they have to go and do some development work to figure out how to crack that container. Do you not have that problem or have you done that work we, already? We have not optimized for any of these backup applications. And yet you still get better deduped than the other guys. 
our our general case data reduction against all of these reduced data types still gets better reduction. You know, we're mm. not, you know, scanning for the timestamps in Oracle rack dumps and, you know, that level stuff. Right. Not it's to say, right? not to say we won't in the future, but our, you know, our data reduction was written for primary storage. It just so happens that being an <laughs> NFS or an S3 target for a backup data mover is a simple case of primary storage. Yeah. So it just works. Right, right. Hmm. What do you think, Persona? Do you see in the future? Do, 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 so I I had no complaints you, to start with. Uh, do you, the one do you think, question. Do you think I lost this argument? I think I might have. I think I think you lost this one, uh, Howard. <laughs> The one last question I had was, I know some of these backup vendors support the ability to do source-side deduplication by integrating with the purpose-built backup appliances. Does VAST support that? Are you guys planning to support that? I know you're looking, you just previously we, said, right, that you're looking at general. We don't. Um, I've never been really comfortable with the use of client-side CPU for that, because client-side CPU is valuable for other things. Um, I think, you know, doing a pass at some level in the data mover, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, okay, we'll, we'll dedupe at the media server at yeah. some large grain so that we're not transferring 50 copies of Windows over the network um, is perfectly reasonable thing to do because it's a network bandwidth management yeah. technique. Yep. Um, things like DD boost are, you know, let's offload this from the, the PBBA to the client and we just rather do the work ourselves. Um, gotcha. and in our architecture, since you can just add more servers at the front end mm -hmm. and you just have to buy the servers, we don't even charge for that software. If you need more compute to do more, you just scale out. To yeah. more dedupe, you just add a few more servers as opposed to stealing 5% of the cycles of all of your <laughs> VMware hosts, which means you now have to not just buy servers, but you have to buy another VMware host, another VMware license. All the other stuff you put on a VMware host starts to add up. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, since, well, since you stepped into my neighborhood now, Howard, I will have to say that source-side dedupe done correctly speeds up the backup and reduces the CPU utilization on the client. But I, I, I can't speak to the, to the implementations you were talking about. Um, I can only speak to the one that I am obviously very familiar with. Um, Cause there, you know, there, that, that is the off discussed thing of like, well, well there I, is it, a, it's also know, a different, a it's Go also ahead. a different case because of the assumed bandwidth at all the stages. Right, right. You know, I'm yeah. I'm kind of assuming that there's a lot of bandwidth for short distances in the data center. Well, all right. I I concede this battle, <laughs> Howard. I lay down my sword. Um, okay, I expect you know, I mean, a trophy. You can, what's that? You expect I expect a trophy. a trophy in the mail. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll send you. I'll send you something. <laughs> <laughs> um all right well uh howard's been great uh glad to hear the update and glad to you know i, I remember we did now that i heard you describe it uh, I, I think we did cover it 
in the last one, but I think you went deeper this time. And that that's good to hear this idea where you can, that you have the, that you have the, the bandwidth (sighs) to, 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 to how many different ways did you say you try each block? Um, there's five compression algorithms, right? And, and then there's a strong hash and a number of similarity hashes. I can't remember offhand what they are. Gotcha. But those are I, got, I thought I heard you say 15 total ways. I thought I heard you sounds, say that. It, it, on that order. Gotcha. So the fact that you can take each chunk and try 15 different ways to compress it and pick the one that works the best <laughs> is pretty damn cool. Um, and, um, you know, and it's just, it, you know, part the, of it's just because we can parallelize it so well. Yeah, that too, right? Uh, the fact but, that you, know, you it can, doesn't you know, doesn't matter how long that, each one takes. We're doing a lot. Yeah, it's that that beauty of the scale out architecture, right? That you can just pass that out um, like that. All right. Well, thanks for coming back, especially to. It's really funny how we had you. You're like you're listening, and you're like, "Hey, you said mean <laughs> things about the way I do things." I will. I accept your challenge, and I'm like, all right, come on back. Uh, happy to do that, and we'll do that with other people. By the way, if you're out there listening and you're like, the thing that Curtis or Persona said is wrong, we will be happy to have you on and have us prove to you why you're wrong, or or in this case, or in this, in this case, case right. Uh, yeah. right? Yeah, we concede. Well, I mean, I mean. I think my concerns are certainly valid and there are certainly vendors out there that are like, yes, we can certainly sell you this appliance for the purposes of backup because recovery speed is really important. I'm like, but it costs five times the cost of this thing over here. I don't like how much better could it possibly be anyway? So that's, that's where those arguments tend to come from. So, all right. Well, thanks. Thanks, uh, and, Howard, for coming. And on. given given the marketplace, they're not completely unreasonable, yeah, um, right? Right. Know, we we just do things sufficiently different that you know, if you think restore speed's important, and we do, we can help you. Right. Yeah. 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 Ransomware. Ransomware. All right. Once again, ransomware. You know, <laughs> I don't know what do you, what do you call it? Uh, Trump's all. Um, yes. Although. I don't enjoy that word as much as I used to for some reason. Um, anyways, <laughs> thanks for thanks for your questions, Persona. Uh, I try, I try. And Howard, great to have you back on the podcast. Hopefully you'll come again. Always a pleasure. As long yeah. as I keep winning, I'll keep coming back. <laughs> <laughs> and we thank you to our listeners. Uh, you know, we're nothing without you. Remember to subscribe so that you can restore it all. the thing.
it'll be complete.